I want to read and talk about Gurdjieff's essay, The Last Hour of Life, and I want to talk about it a little bit while I read parts of it. Imagine that you have only a few minutes, maybe an hour left to live. Somehow you've discovered exactly when you'll die. What would you do with this precious hour of your stay on Earth? Would you be able to complete all the things in this last hour, all these things that you want to do? Do you have a conscious idea about how to do it? Well, I can assure you that most people don't have a conscious idea about how they would do it because most people don't think about their final hour of life, their last hour. Most people don't even think they're going to die. Oh, it's something we've been discussing here this morning. Not death so much, but I was talking to Diana and she said, well, I don't even know my house is on fire. I try to conjure up the feeling. I try to conjure up the image, but I don't even know it. And it's true. Most people do not know it. And it's not because they don't want to know it. It's because we're asleep. It's because we're not properly conscious. And we hear this all the time. You hear all the time you're not properly conscious. But it has no real meaning until you begin to observe your mechanicalness and your deep, deep waking sleep. And when you do, then Gurdjieff says, would you be able to complete all your things in this last hour? Do you have a conscious idea about how to do it? Well, yes, I do. I have a conscious idea about how to do it. But if I were to ask you, do you have a conscious idea how to do it? Do you? And so someone would say to me, what? What is it then? What's the conscious idea? Tell me and then I'll have a conscious idea. It's not that way. It's not how it's transmitted. I don't tell you and then you'll have a conscious idea. Then it will be your conscious idea. My conscious idea is my conscious idea. It's because it comes from my consciousness, because it, it comes from my awareness. And if I were to tell you what that awareness is, that doesn't mean you will have it. All it means is that you will have the words. So it's like this. If I were to say to a man who was born blind, yellow is like the sun compared to white. It's bright. It's brilliant. And white is brilliant and it's bright, but in a different way. Yellow is a different brilliant. It's more like the sun or a sunflower or a daffodil or whatever is yellow. I don't know what else is yellow. I'm not that great on my uh, flowers, but I do know about consciousness and levels of being. That's what I know about. I'm not the greatest horticulturist in the world. But I do know about levels of being because that's what I've studied for the last 40 years. I've studied consciousness and how consciousness affects us and how altered states of consciousness affect us and how to alter our states of consciousness to get them to be better states. There are better states and worse states that we can be in. We don't have a conscious idea and you're not going to get one by someone explaining it to you any more than a blind man is going to understand what yellow or white or red or blue is because someone explained it. Oh, he'll have the words, but he will not have any experience of the form or the value or the hue of the color. He won't have anything to compare it with. He will have nothing except the words and the words will have to suffice. So yellow will become for him instead of a color and experience. It will be a word. And it will be a word compared to white or blue or red or green. And you can compare all those words and see that they're different. And you can imagine all kinds of things about those words. But you will not experience the color if you have no way of experiencing it. And so when Gurdjieff says, do you have a conscious idea about how to do it? Don't make something up. No, you don't have a conscious idea about how to do it. And that's okay, because that is a place to start. That's where consciousness starts. Consciousness starts by realizing that you're not properly conscious. 
It's a very difficult thing to realize because we don't like it. We don't like the realization. We don't want to realize that. We don't want to see that about ourselves. What we want is to feel good about ourselves. We want our self-love to feel okay. And so we only think nice, happy thoughts about ourselves. And if we find ourselves thinking unhappy thoughts, we know that there'll be an end to it. And we'll start to tell ourselves something else. We'll start our self-song and our self-talk until we finally got ourselves feeling better again. So Gurdjieff goes on to say, in letting go your last breath, would you feel satisfaction from knowing that you have done everything possible in this life to fulfill, that you are constantly present, always vibrating, always waiting, like the sun is waiting for the father sailor? I'm not even sure people can understand this. Letting go your last breath, would you feel satisfaction from knowing that you've done everything possible in this life to fulfill, to fulfill everything that you've had to fulfill, that you're constantly present, always vibrating, always waiting? I don't think people have really much of an experience of what even that means. What does that mean? Always waiting like, like the sun for the father sailor. What does that mean? It means being in the now. It means being in this now moment, fully awake and aware in this moment and waiting for whatever is coming, waiting for whatever comes, whatever this moment brings and being ready for it. And how can you be ready for it? You have to be clean. You have to ungunk. You have to strip down all of that stuff that we've acquired in life. All of the overcoats that we're wearing that keep life from ever touching us directly. Life can't touch us directly. Somebody can come along and grab us the edge of your robe or your sleeve and pull you this way or that way. And if you weren't wearing all that stuff, it wouldn't be possible for them to do that. You look at sumo wrestlers and all they wear is this kind of thing girt around their loins. Nothing else. And they oil their bodies so that nobody can get a hold on them. And the only thing they get a hold of is this thing around their waist. And that's what they both go for. They both grab the other man's waistband. That's their handle. But if you get rid of all the handles, then life has a much more difficult time pushing you around and making you do what it wants you to do. And that's what self-observation is about. It's about removing those acquired handles, those overcoats, those things that life can get hold of and push us around and move us around with. Letting go your last breath. Well, I don't even know if you think about letting go your last breath. I don't know if when you meditate, you let go of your breath. I don't know if you do that and you exhale and you know that this could be your last breath. I don't know if you do that when you meditate. I do. When I meditate and I exhale, I know it could be my last breath. A master told me one time, before you meditate, make out your will. What do you think that means? It means you could leave. It means this could be the time. Why are you meditating? What is the purpose if it's not to lift yourself up into higher states? And eventually you're going to lift yourself up into a higher state. You're going to be lifted up into a higher state and you're going to leave the body and you're going to leave this physical realm. That has to happen. Now, you're either going to do it consciously or it's going to be done to you and you're going to go kicking and screaming or you're going to go resisting. But what Gurdjieff says is very enlightened and letting go your last breath. Not having it taken from you. Do you remember when your father-in-law died? Do you remember the look on his face as that last breath was taken from him? Yeah. Because he wasn't ready to let it go. Because he did not have that satisfaction from knowing that he'd done everything that he was supposed to do. And you're not going to have it unless you start working on it. It's very important. He says, always vibrating, always waiting like the sun is waiting for the father sailor. In the manifested world, everything has its beginning and its end. Well, this is the manifested world. This is the created world. This is it. We're living in it. This and other realms that we are not aware of. 
We're in it. And everything has its beginning and everything has its end. And that means that you have your end, that this body has its end. In the real world, everything is always present. And one beautiful day, you'll be allowed to forget everything and leave this world forever. Freedom is worth a million times more than political liberation. The free man, even in slavery, remains a master of himself. For example, if I give you something, let's say a car, in which there's no fuel, the car can't move. Your car needs a special fuel. But it's only you who is able to define what kind of fuel is needed and where to get it. But you don't know that. You keep asking for someone else to define what kind of fuel you need and tell you where to get it. You look to someone else for it, but this is something that you must do for yourself. Other people can point you in this direction, and that's what I try to do. Other people can model it for you and show you what it's like, but you'll only be seeing it from the outside just the same way that a blind man sees white or yellow or blue or red or green as simply words and not real colors. Until they're real colors to you, they're not real colors. Until this is real to you, it's not real to you. It's not your experience. So me explaining it to you, if it has any purpose, it has the purpose of showing you that you don't know. You have to define yourself how to digest my ideas to make them yours so that they may belong only to you. It's like Curtis talks about in the beginning of the podcast. This work that he talks about has become my work and I'm excited that others may have the possibility. That's exactly what happened to Curtis. Curtis started to wake up, and what began to wake him up was he saw that he was getting older, that 20 years had passed, and he hadn't done anything. 20 years. And he looked, and he realized that he was not going to live forever, that he was going to die, that he was going to let go of that last breath, that it was going to happen. It was inevitable. And that was his realization. But you can't just continue to salve that with, oh, well, when I go, Jesus will take me to heaven. Don't count on it. You must be prepared for anything, and you must prepare now. This is what this time is for. This time is to prepare. This time is not for buying and selling and doing this and doing that. That's secondary. This time that you have now is for preparing yourself for death. People don't like this subject. They don't like to talk about this. I don't mind. Like I said to you, um, you said, are you going to be at Lori's for dinner tonight? I said, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in the next hour. Well, why do I say that? That's not mechanical. It's because I feel my death. I feel the inevitability of it. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Every breath I take takes me one breath closer to it. I'm aware of that. I'm conscious of that. Not every moment of every day, but many times in a day, very often in a day. I am very aware of it. I'm very aware that each breath I take moves me closer to my last breath. Now, some people think, oh, that's morbid. Well, maybe it is to you, but it's not to me. It's reality to me. The organic life is very fragile. This body that you're living in is very fragile. Okay, so I got sick yesterday, and I thought, well, just it's probably just this or just that. Maybe it's something I ate or something I drank or whatever. And then I still felt awful today. After I went to bed early last night and slept all night, and I stayed in bed, and I, in Spanish you say, estoy guardando la cama, guarding the bed, they call it. And what it means is you're ill and you're just taken to bed. And so it's guarding the bed because that's what it looks like. And so I thought, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm guarding the bed. And that's okay. But I, I thought this morning, I thought, oh, I'll be fine. And I'm not fine. I feel weak. I feel queasy. I feel not quite right. This could be it. There are lots of people who don't get that much warning. I knew this funeral director in Redondo Beach. He said he was doing this funeral and the guy was 35 years old, had a heart attack. He was dead. Boom. Just like that. Gone. 
You hear about 20-some-year-old kids doing the same thing. Boom, they're gone. You don't know. Each day, each moment is a precious gift. But it's only a precious gift when you have something to do with it. When you realize that this moment is for your personal self-development, that you have to define yourself how to digest these ideas, how to make them yours, so that they belong only to you. See, these ideas belong only to me. Gurdjieff says, these ideas of mine. But they're no longer his ideas. They're now my ideas. They are now inside of me. They are now my experience. They now connect me directly with higher centers. They now connect me directly with you. These ideas are what connect me to life now. I'm not connected to life through my identifications with life like I was. These ideas now stand between life and me. And that's what has to happen for you. And only you can do this. But this organic life is very fragile. The planetary body can die at any moment. It's always one step from death. You need to be aware of this. And if you could manage to live one more day, and you don't know whether you can manage that or not, you just take it all for granted. Like, oh, of course I'm going to live one more day. And you know what you're going to do in that one day. And you know where you're going to be at dinner tonight. And you know how you're going to get there. And you know this and you know that. And you don't know anything. But if you could manage to live one more day, it is only a chance accidentally given to you by nature. If you will be able to live even one more hour, you can consider yourself to be a lucky person. From the moment of conception, we are living on borrowed time. Living in this world, you have to feel death each second. So settle all your life affairs, even in your last hour. But how can anyone know exactly his last hour? For the sense of security, make up your things with nature and yourself in every hour given to you. Then you will never be met unprepared. How many times have I said to you, if I never see you again, understand this one thing. I love you and you don't owe me anything. How many times have I said that to you or something like that? Obviously not enough because it certainly hasn't made an impression on you or not enough of an impression. And there's a reason that I do that. And it's not to make an impression on you. It's because I need you to know that I have let you go, that I am prepared to die in this moment, that when I sit down to meditate, every breath that I breathe out could be my last. And I know it. And I let it go as if it were my last. He goes on to say, living in this world, you have to deal with death each second. So settle all your life affairs, even in your last hour. The man has to be taught this starting from the esoteric school, how to breathe, to eat, to move, and to die right. You have to know how to die properly. But you'll never know how to die properly until you know how to move and breathe and eat properly. And you take all of this stuff that I have given you all of these years, you take it all like, well, why does anyone have to do that? Why do I have to eat like that? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? You have to learn how to do things consciously. I have put so much emphasis on food because food puts people to sleep. People go to sleep around food. Now, I don't know what it was like when Gurdjieff was teaching. He kept food on his library shelves instead of books. He said, people can't eat books. They need food. Books are not nearly as important as the oral tradition, as a teacher. A teacher is more important than a book. I don't care what book it is. If you have a teacher, put the book away. If you don't have a teacher, read the book until you find a teacher. And when you find a teacher, put the book away and follow the teacher. Now, I realize that people are going to say, oh, you're this and you're that. I don't care what people say. I don't care. I don't have to answer to people and their imagination and their criticisms. 
And if I do answer to them, I don't have to give an answer if I don't want to. I don't have to make an answer. Nothing is required of me. People have nothing over me. What are they going to do? Kill me? They have no power to kill me. It's it's been given to them from above. They have no power over me at all, except whatever's been given to them from above. So I don't have to surrender my will to people. I don't have to surrender anything to people. This is what it means to live with your death, to be prepared. And we have to be taught this. This has to become part of an educational program. In this program, it's necessary to include the teaching about how to realize the presence of I and also how to establish consciousness. Someone asked how to act if you do not feel that there is something unfinished. Gurdjieff answered after a pause. He took a deep breath and replied, ask yourself who will be in difficulty if you die like a dog. At the moment of death, you have to be wholly aware of yourself and feel that you have done everything possible to use all within your abilities in this life, which was given to you. You've got to milk it. You've got to get blood from the stone. You have to use every opportunity, every opportunity. Don't throw anything away. Don't throw impressions away. Don't throw people away. Don't throw situations away. Don't hide your head in the sand. Face things and do your best right now. Don't wait until later. There may not be a later. There may not be a tomorrow. There may not be another hour. You may not have another breath. I don't know if I'll finish reading this. That's the reality of life. We say, but in all likelihood you will. Yes, in all likelihood I will, but I don't know. And it's better to be prepared. So when she says, or when whoever this says how to act, if you do not feel that there is something unfinished, well, I'll tell you how to act. You start to observe yourself because I promise you there's plenty that's unfinished. And if you don't see what's unfinished, then he says, ask yourself, who's going to be in trouble if you die like a dog, if you die unconscious? Who's going to be in trouble? You, no one else. No one else is going to pay for that. You will. Now, you don't know much about yourself, but with each day you dig deeper and deeper into this bag of bones and start knowing more and more details. Day by day, you'll be finding out what you should have done and what you have to redo among the things you have done. A real man is one who could take from life everything that was valuable in it and say, and now I can die. We have to try to live our lives so that we could say any day, today I can die and not be sorry about anything. There's no way you can say that. Oh, you could say it. But there's no way it's true. But you need to find out what it is that you could be sorry about. And then you need to find out how to deal with that, how to redo that, so that you wouldn't be sorry about it. Never spend fruitlessly the last hour of your life because it can become the most important hour for you. You think, oh, I don't have enough time left. I don't have enough time with all this work and all this means. But you don't know. In this hour, you could wake up. In this hour, right now, you could wake up. If you will make the right effort, it could happen. And you must believe this. You must work toward this. You must look at every hour as a precious gift. It could be your last. And maybe this will be the hour you awaken. And it will certainly be the hour you awaken a little bit more if you make the effort. If you use it wrongly, you may be sorry about it later. This sincere excitement that you feel now can become for you a powerful source of the force that can prepare you for perfect death. Knowing that the next hour can become the last one for you, absorb the impressions which it will bring to you as a real gourmet. When Lady Death will call you, be prepared always. The Master knows how to take from each tasty piece the last bit of the most valuable. Learn to be the master of your life. When I was young, I learned to prepare fragrances. I learned to extract from life its essence, its most subtle qualities. Search in everything the most valuable. Learn to separate the fine from the coarse. One who has learned how to extract the essence, the most important, from each moment of life, has reached a sense of quality. 
Every prayer that you pray has to be your last prayer and the most important prayer. Every bite of food that you put into your mouth has to be the last bite of food and the most important bite. Every sip of water that you take has to be the most important sip and the last sip. You've got to be able to get the quality out of the mundane things of life. He's able to do with the world something that cannot be done by an aboriginal. It could be that in the last moments of your life, you'll not have the choice where and with whom to be. But you will have a choice to decide how fully you will live them, those last moments. The ability to take the valuable from life is the same as to take from the food, the air, and the impressions, the substances needed to build up your higher bodies. If you want to take from your life the most valuable for yourself, it has to be for the good of the higher. For yourself, it's not enough to leave just a little. You've got to constantly be working for the good of the higher. You can't be always working for yourself and your self-love. To work on yourself for the good of others is a smart way to receive the best from life for yourself. Look, it's what I have given my life to. I'm a servant. I'm a teacher. I've given my life because this was the best way for me to get life. It was really a very selfish reason. It was a very selfish thing to do. To become the servant of all was a very selfish thing to do because I wanted everything that life could give me. And I knew that the way to get that was to give everything to everyone else. If you'll not be satisfied with the last hour of your life, you'll not be happy about the whole of your life. If you can't be happy about the last hour of your life, how can you be happy about your whole life? To die means to come through something which is impossible to repeat again. This is it. To spend your precious time in nothing means to deprive yourself the opportunity to extract from life the most valuable. In this world, to live life through from the beginning to the end means another aspect of the absolute. All greatest philosophers were carefully preparing for the last hour of their life. And now I will give you the exercise to prepare for the last hour on the earth. Try not to misinterpret any word from the given exercise. Look back at the hour that has passed as if it was the last hour for you on the earth and that you have just acknowledged that you have died. Ask yourself, were you satisfied at that hour? And now reanimate yourself again and set up the aim for yourself in the next hour. If you're lucky to live one more, try to extract from life a little more than you did in the last hour. Define where and when you should have been more aware, where you should have put more inner fire. He says, and now open your eyes wider. And by this, I mean open more possibilities for yourself. Be a little more brave than you were in the previous hour. Since you know that this is your last hour, you have nothing to lose. Try to gain some bravery, at least now, in this last hour. Of course, you don't have to be silly about it. You don't have to go charging off and doing this or doing that. Get to know yourself better. Look at your machine as if from the outside. Now, when you're dying, there's no sense to keep your reputation and your prestige. It's pointless now. And now onwards until the real last hour, aspire with persistence to receive the most you can from life that is of value. Develop your intuition. Take just a few moments each hour to watch at the hour that passed without judgment. Then tune yourself to extracting more from the following hour. This is a very good exercise. Just close your eyes and look at this last hour that you lived. You have been here now for an hour since you came out of your meditation. What did you get from it? Where could you have been more attentive? Where could you have been more alive? Where could you have been more aware? What could you have said or done that would have completed something? What regret do you have for that last hour? As if you had just died. Look at it as if you were lying there dead or sitting there dead. And then after you look at it, reanimate yourself. And in this next hour, if you have another hour, determine to do the thing that you didn't do in the last hour. Whatever that thing is, whatever it is you came up with, it's a very good exercise. People should be doing this. They should be doing this a lot. They should be doing this once a day, at least 
once a day. And you should not go to sleep at night without doing this, without going over your day and looking at it and saying, what did I leave undone? I have gotten up from bed, got dressed, and then gone and done something that I had left undone. I didn't leave it till the morning because I knew there might not be a morning, not for me. He says, if we look at each hour, like at a separate life unit, you can try to do as much as you can to use every unit totally. Force yourself, find the way to make the next hour much more than the one before. But also be aware that you have taken care of the debts you collected till now. Increase the self-sensing and self-knowledge of yourself. You know, I said last week in the podcast, I think I said, you know, we need to feel our own existence. This is self-sensing. You need to feel your own existence, the reality of your own existence, to feel it, to feel your life vibrating in your body, to feel the cells, the molecules, the atoms in your body moving, to feel the light in your body, to feel the sensations, to be here in it. Not to be wandering off in your head somewhere, daydreaming, imagining, scheming, planning, rehearsing, wasting energy in negative emotions, wasting energy. Be here in your body now. Be here. Increase your self-sensing. Increase your awareness every moment. Be aware of this moment. Be in it. Get out of your head. Your head is stealing your life. It's robbing you of force. It's robbing you of your life. It will waste years and years and years in stupid, mindless, idiotic daydreaming, romanticizing, being sentimental, if only, oh, sighing, singing the same old song over and over again. Let it go. It's your life. But if you'll take your life hour by hour, do you see the value in this? If you will stop looking at your life like years, like decades, like scores of years, stop looking at your life like how many years you might have left and start looking at it like you have this moment. Live it. You know, I have a friend who I've been telling for some time now, but probably a year. You need to start telling the truth. You need to tell people the truth. You need to start going for it. You need to start facing your fear and facing these things and taking the risk of telling the truth. But it's unpleasant. I'm afraid. You need to take your fear and tuck it under your arm and go ahead and do the thing that is before you to do. This is so important. Years ago, I remember sitting out on the front porch with Steve. Oh, he was upset with somebody. I said, look, Steve, you're going to get off it. You're going to let this go. Sooner or later, you're going to let this go. I know you. You will let this go. I've known you for years. You will let it go. Now, the only question I have for you is how much do you want to suffer before you do? Because that is the only thing that you have hanging on to it. You have the suffering. How much do you want to suffer before you actually let it go? Because you're going to let it go. See, the truth is... <laughs> I gave my brother $3,000 some time ago. Maybe it was last year. And he swore up and down he was going to pay me back. And I knew that I would never, ever, ever see that money again. And I didn't give it to him, ever thinking that he was ever going to pay it back. A couple of months later, he stopped mentioning it. For months, every time he'd talk to me, I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back. And I said, yeah, okay. I never argued with him about it. I just knew. But I promise you that he doesn't owe me that money. He doesn't. I will not hold that account. I canceled it. The moment I gave it, I'm not a borrower and I'm not a lender. I will give, but I will not lend. I won't do it because I don't wish to be owed. I don't wish to be tied. I don't wish to be burdened. But how can somebody, if somebody owes you something, how are you burdened? I'm burdened by the debt that they owe. And I will not do that. You cannot be free in this life if you are owed. And you cannot be free in this life if you owe. You must cancel all the debts and you must pay what you owe.
When you find out you owe something, make haste. Get it paid off. He says, increase the self-sensing and self-knowledge of yourself and also increase the ability to master yourself. This will change the work of your machine, which is always out of your control. The machine is out of your control. But if you begin to master yourself, it will change. You will start to get some control over the machine. Not a lot, but a little bit goes a long way in this life. All you need is control right now, just a little bit right now. And these abilities can become the indication of the real changes. And it's absolutely unimportant what the machine is thinking about this. It doesn't matter what the machine thinks about this. You don't have to pay any attention to that. To live the rest of your life rehearsing your death hour by hour is not at all pathological. I remember I would talk about death and Connie would get so upset with me because she didn't want to face my death. She didn't want to face her own death. She doesn't want to face anyone's death. She doesn't like it when an animal dies. But how often have you heard me say about Buddy, he's going to die. That dog is going to die. And it's going to be sad. I face it now. And you know what I do now? I love him now. I take care of him now because he's not going to be here forever. You're going to die. I love you now. And I try to do my best to take care of you now because you're not always going to be here. Now, I don't know which one of us is going to be gone first, but I want to make sure that I have given you all that you should have. And all that you should have is very well circumscribed for me and for you. It's very clear. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is what I owe you. And love is what I have to give you. Now, I tell you the truth, but I tell you the truth in love. Friend in Macedonia said, a real friend tells you when your face is dirty. Well, we don't always appreciate real friends. And the reason we don't is because of our self-love. Because we'd rather our face wasn't dirty. And so we pretend it's not when it is. But a real friend will tell you that it is when you're pretending that it's not. And whether you accept that person as a real friend or not, you have a real friend. And the only thing that can change that for you is your acceptance of the fact. It's how you take in the impressions. That's up to you. If you choose to call that person critical or your enemy, that's your mistake. Let that person be your friend. What I owe you is love. I owe you that because I was created by love, in love, to love. And so to fulfill my destiny, to fulfill my purpose, to fulfill my meaning, that's what I must do. Everything else is almost inconsequential. Some great saint said, love God and do what you will. You tell people who live by the law that and they go crazy. But what if you do something wrong? <laughs> love God and do what you will. You have to understand that. And if you can't understand it, then you're not going to be able to do it. Love covers a multitude of sins. Well, people will use that to get away with murder. Well, don't worry about people. Concern yourself with yourself. You're not here to live other people's lives. You're here to live your life. You're not here to judge other people. You're here to judge yourself. To simply judge yourself, not criticize yourself. There's a huge difference. He goes on to say, None can receive more from life than the cancer patient, who knows approximately when he'll die. Since he already recognized how he wishes to spend the rest of his life, he'll not have to make the total change in it. But he will be able to go somewhere where he always wished to go, but would not do it in other circumstances. Now, this may seem foolhardy to you, but remember, he said, don't you have to be silly about this. The man who knows that he will die soon will try to use the maximum every hour of the rest of his life. This is exactly what Christ meant when he said that the last days will come soon, the days before the last judgment. We're all standing in front of the judge, but it's not the others who are judging us, but we ourselves do the last estimation of our life. We don't have to fail the most important examination where the most serious judge is ourself. Each moment taken alone represents the particle of the eternal creation. Each moment is the microcosm of the macrocosm. This instant, this moment is your life. This is the sum total of your life right now. 
This is what you are. What you are in this moment. This is who you are. This is what you have done with your life. This is it. If you are at all sincere with yourself, at all honest with yourself, you must see that you are lacking, seriously lacking. Now take an hour, an hour of that life and look and see what you left undone. And in this next hour, determine to do it. Determine to try harder. Determined to work more, determined to be more self-sensing, more knowledgeable of yourself, more aware of yourself. Determined to do that and then do it. Take this small increment of time, this hour, and do it in that hour. And if you can't do it for an hour, then do it for two minutes. But take something, start somewhere. Each moment taken alone represents the particle of the eternal creation. Therefore, each moment we can extract the most subtle substances that we can call the essence of life. Imagine yourself the substance air or the substance impressions. Finally, draw in your mind the substance moment. Yes, even the moments of time are the substances. If we will be able to extract the finest substances from the coarser, sooner or later, we will have to pay for it. This law is called the law of balance. That is why we will learn how to pay immediately for those that we receive from life. Only then will we not have any debts to pay immediately. This is what is called real doing. To do is to think, feel, to act, but real doing is to pay immediately. The absurdity of people taking and taking and taking and taking and never paying. They will pay. You must pay. Everything must be paid according to the law of balance. Everything. Why do you think I give everything so much? When you give everything, you're, you're paying. Do you see that you're paying for your existence? People will say, well, why do you let people take so much from you? Because I'm paying for my existence. No one can take anything from me. I give it freely and no one is in debt to me. I'm not holding them accountable for what they've taken from me because I have given it freely. It's like my brother with the $3,000. I gave it freely. He considers it a debt. And now he doesn't talk to me anymore. If you want to get rid of somebody, give them money that they think they have to pay back. They'll disappear because people don't understand paying. They just don't get it. I've put out five years worth of podcasts. I couldn't pay for anything with what people have paid for what they've taken. Apart from one guy, we couldn't pay for hardly anything that we've done. I'm not saying this so that people will send money. I don't care. I don't want their money. I don't want it. It wouldn't go to me anyway. I don't care. It goes to the work. It goes so that I can go and give months of my life to people and go and live there with them and give months of my life to them to train them, to teach them, to model for them, to show them what this work is about and how it is lived, how to eat, how to breathe, how to live, how to move properly so that they know how to die properly. That's why we do this. That's what this is about. Real life is not a change of activity, but a change of the quality of the activity. It's not what you're doing, it's how you're doing it that matters. Destiny is destiny. Each one of us has to find himself in the whole order of things. It's not too late yet to start doing it now. Although you've spent the greater part of your life in sleep, starting from today, you can begin to prepare yourself for death and at the same time to increase the quality of your living. But don't delay with the start. Start now. Maybe you really only have just one more hour of life. So someone said, can we share this with others? I think it's very important what we have heard about. 
You can retell it word by word, but until you will, can, do this exercise yourself, it would mean nothing, brothers. Existence is the means or the instrument for action. Think about this and you'll find out why it is so. The reason I can share this with you is because I can do this exercise. It's real for me. Then another question. Therefore, we can't pay the debts if we don't exist or if our I is absent. Why do you have such a need to pay? Pay for what? If life is only a coincidence, then there is no sense to go on. This doesn't mean that you have to end your life with a suicide opposite. You have to put all your effort into to live. Ordinary man always lives just going with the flow. He's not just sleeping. He's absolutely dead. To really live, it's necessary to support the efforts of nature, to take actively from life and not to act passively wherever it flows. Look, destiny is destiny. Take action. Do what you have to do. Find out what you are and what you're doing and how you got this way and what you can alter. You may not be able to change much, but find out what you can change and start working on it. Extracting from life the most precious, you have to be able to operate your emotions. See how fairly you can estimate yourself. Look attentively at yourself. You'll see many remarkable ways to be fair. Each time, notice for yourself different moments when the desires appear. Act as before, but always be aware of their presence. Transport to the world the part of your blood, but one of the higher level. At the end of each hour, after you have estimated its usefulness, imagine that you just woke up in the absolutely unknown in comparison to the previous one gone by. It's important to note that the apparent continuation of the last hour is in reality changing with every hour. Although things and people seem the same as before, with the time you will learn to see yourself as a spirit of special substance who is coming from one world to another as an uninvited guest of nature. Look, you know this from Vipassana, that everything is changing all the time. Everything is constantly changing. Everything arises so that it may pass away. Every moment is new, fresh, different. But you don't see that. Start to see that. Start to see it by taking small moments, small increments of time and examining them. He says, looking from this point of view, evaluate everything you do in your life. Looking at the results of all your efforts of the past and think what sense they all have now in the last hour of your life. Those who are engaged in the work are dead to this world. And at the same time, they are more alive in this world than anyone else. Work, something strange, imperceptible. But for many, it is impossible to live without it. There's no way I can live without this work. There is no way. There is absolutely no reason for me to take another breath without this work. No reason. Someone gave a friend an ultimatum. You have to give up this work and give up these ideas. It's not normal. If you want to be in my life, you have to give this up. <laughs> well, goodbye. There's no question for me. You're asking me to give up my life. You're asking me to sacrifice my life for what? So that you can be happy for a nanosecond and you won't be happy at all because you are looking to what someone else has to do in order for you to be happy. And there is never any happiness in that. There's no such thing as lasting happiness in that. Your happiness must come from inside of you. And if it doesn't, then it's not happiness. The ordinary way of understanding life is vanity of vanities. However big the result is according to earthly measures, sooner or later, it's going to fail. I don't care if you're Donald Trump. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett. You're going to die and you're going to leave it all. It's not going to matter. It's all going to be vanity of vanities, wind, chasing after the wind. Even the sand is being rubbed into dust by time. Even the most significant people of history are being forgotten right now. To understand the real possibilities of this world, it's necessary to find what we can reach in this world that will be very useful in the real world. And I promise you, what you can reach in this world that will be very useful in the real world is the very thing that I have to give, love. That is the thing. 
Learn to love your neighbor. Attentively look at the lives of all the greatest people, those who were commanding armies, who had power over others. What is the benefit for them from all their great actions now when they're dead? Even when they were alive, all these great actions were no more than empty dreams. We're not here to praise ourselves and to prove ourselves. The most disgusting and ordinary man is the ability to quickly satisfy his flesh. The majority of people find many excuses not to work on themselves. They are in a complete prison of their weaknesses. But right now, we don't speak about them, but about you. Understand me right, he says. I do not need followers. I am rather interested in finding the good organizers, the real warriors of the new world. I understand the weakness of the organization, but right now, we don't speak about the usual organization, which would consist of initiates. I remind you once again, learn to live each hour of your life with a bigger benefit. Create a detailed plan of the last hour of your life. To understand how one should die, you should grow deep roots into life. Only then you'll be able to die like a human being, not like a dog. Although it's not given to everyone to die, you can become manure for our planet. But it does not really mean to die. To die to this world forever is an honor. For this honor, you have to pay with conscious labor and intentional suffering. You have to earn this right to die to this world. Try to imagine yourself relatively clearly the last hour of your life on Earth. Write a kind of a script of the last hour, as if you were writing the script for a film. Ask yourself, is this how I want to dispose my life? If you're not satisfied with the answer, rewrite the script until you like it. Look at life like a business. Time is your money for life. When you come into this world, a definite amount of money was given to you, and this you cannot exceed. Time is the only currency with which you pay for your life. Now you see how you use the biggest part of it in a stupid way. You have not even reached the main goal of life, to have rest. You failed as a businessman and as a user of life. You deceived yourself. All your life, you thought that everything is given to you for free. And now suddenly you discovered that it's not free. You pay for using the time. That is why each moment of your stay here costs something. So how would it be possible for you to reimburse, recover, at least somehow, those losses? Check if the deficit on your bank account is only temporary or is it perhaps constant? Did you lose the time or could you invest it successfully? If you've spent all your money on vacations, then there's nothing to do but to be sorry about the past. For many years, you've been spending your life as if your parents gave you a bank account with unlimited credit. But now the amount is used and you see that you are all alone and there is none to rely on. There is no more time on your bank account. Now you're forced to earn each hour of your life. All your time, you behaved like a child and spent time just like a newly married couple on their honeymoon. Our main enemy, which is hindering us from applying the necessary efforts, is hopelessness. I know you'll have many excuses not to prepare yourself for the last hour of your life. The habit is a big force, but starting once, you can learn to do each time more and more. Don't fiddle all day. Force yourself at least one hour a day to make an effort. Otherwise, you'll lose everything. Think about the rehearsal of your last hour as if it was a ballet exercise. You have to do it all your life. I dedicate four hours a day for this exercise. When I was young, I spent on it two times longer. Well, I'm not suggesting that you spend four hours a day on it, but I am suggesting that you do it. And I'm suggesting that you do it every day. Now, I've suggested this before, and I've read this to you before, and I've given you this, and I've asked you to read it at least once a month. And I know you haven't done that, and I know you won't do it. Because you are still squandering your life like a child who thinks that it's endless. But you're wrong and you need to wake up to this. You might have missed and matter, but it's part of a cosmic 